Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tell me a story. Folklore and Irish tales with Eddie Lenehan. Ihahauna is nearly on us, and uh, in another week it'll be here. Now, Samhain was much before now respected as a time of the dead and a time of the fairies. Now it is, it's a time still for children to have fun. But you look at the shops today, and what you'll see is mainly junk. All of the witchy, witchy kind of stuff and, uh, as I say, mainly plastic junk. But there was a time when, before our celebration of Samhain, went to America and came back to us in the form of all the kind of junk we see, it was a serious, serious time of year. It was the going of summer and the coming of winter. Samhain... It was the last day of summer, or the first day of winter, you could say. That was the time of year when farmers had to have all their crops finished with. It was the start of the dark weather. Well, (laughs) dark weather (laughs) was here before that, but you could say it was the official line between summer and winter. The dark days were upon us. And it's still true, of course. But the customs associated with sowing, they have nearly all faded away. For example, if you told children, or if you told their parents now, that this was Ihe na 
Ihan Abuki, the night of the fairies, the night of the spirits. Would they know what you were talking about? More than likely not. They'd be thinking of witches and the rest, broomsticks. But there were no witches in Ireland. In Gaelic Ireland there was no such thing as witches. That came from Scotland and places like that, east. In Gaelic Ireland there were no witches, so where did those kind of customs come from? They might have come back from Salem in America, where they burned them. But, but in Ireland it was still serious matter because in those dark, dark nights, long nights, well, if the fairies were out, and they were supposed to be out of every fort on that night on their travels, you'd be better off not to go near those forts on, on that particular night. Because remember, people did believe in the fairies and strongly, and you'd be surprised how many people still do, and still wouldn't go near a fort on such a night. And what about the dead? Would you go into a graveyard on Ihahauna? Of course many people would. And to say their prayers for their own good people that had died in years past. But most people that preferred to say their prayers at home around the fire. The old people that was. Nowadays I sometimes wonder do people say any prayers at all but who am I to judge? Because you can say your prayers to yourself. But uh, different times, different night. But there was also the funny side of it. It was a night for at home fun. I remember the snap apple <laughs> when people didn't have the money for all the things you can buy in shops today, all the throwaway junk. When people didn't have a great lot. But when people did have what they had out of their gardens, they had apples. If you look behind you there out that window where you're sitting, you'll see my apple trees. And there's a lot of apples on them yet. God, I must collect them because all I've been collecting so far are the windfalls. There was a great crop of apples this year. And some of those apples were used in the simplest of way. Get a tub of water uh, or a bucket of water, whatever you like, and get down your knees. And after filling the, the, the bucket of water with apples and you had mighty crack around the floor, putting in your puss into the water and trying to <laughs> get your mouth around the apple. Not as easy as you might think when an apple is bobbing around in water, but you had mighty splashing around on the floor. Uh, would that be allowed today on the fancy parquet floors that people have in their fancy new houses? I'd be doubtful about some of them. But I tell you this, if if some of the parents saw their children uh, enjoying themselves as much, they might be inclined to allow it. They might be inclined to allow it. But then again, you see, families have gone so small. The enjoyment has gone in that sense. There was nine children in my father's family. Nine. Uh, there was a fun fair in itself inside in that kitchen, and I, the kitchen in the old house is still there. And uh, I bet you there was fun in that kitchen on Ihahauna, and in many, many another kitchen like it, up and down the length and breadth of Ireland. But most of those are gone now. But the the, the fun and games are still still remembered. Think of the, the, the snapapple. All you needed was an old string hanging from the, the roof, hanging from something on, on the ceiling, and the fun you'd have trying to get your teeth onto that apple. Without hurting your teeth, of course. 
and it cost nothing. It cost nothing. But remember, there was also the more serious things that, that uh, for example, trying to divine the future on that night, trying to divine who you might marry. And again, all you had to do was use the things that were available from the, the, the garden. For example, nuts, hazelnuts, plenty of them at this time of year. Put them into the fire, and remember to be open fires, most people had at the time. Put them into the fire uh, on a piece of a, a shovel, and watch the way they would hop, hop. If Put two of them in, put names on two of them, We'll say the names of two people that were about to get married or who hoped to get married. Uh, and if they hopped apart, those two wouldn't last long married. If they stayed together, those two people would stay happily married. Things like that. Things like that were used. Practical people use practical things, whereas nowadays people have money to buy everything they like. Most people have. And so... All those customs are forgotten because you can buy your so-called ready-made customs. I I don't know which I prefer. Uh, I think I uh, may be looking back at what I remember, but maybe that's sentimentality. Maybe that's sentimentality. Look, the children of today, looking back, all they will remember is the stuff out of shops. And maybe they'll remember that in due course with as much uh, fondness as we remember something different. So people make their own memories. Now, when I'm up here in Crusheen playing cards, occasionally I'll hear the phrase, when a person is very, very lucky and have had a great run at the cards, which you can have without cheating or any way, cards are a strange animal. The deck of cards isn't called the Devil's Prayer Book for nothing because, by God, it can treat people in strange, strange ways. It can make you or break you. But I sometimes hear the phrase, when a person gets a great run of cards, God bless it, somebody will say, we're under the briars. And that little phrase, there's an awful lot behind it because what it means is the custom going under the briars on Halloween night to get look. Now, there was a story about this particular man and we'll just call him, for the sake of it, Jack O'Connor. Common name because he could have been anybody from any place. But there was this story about Jack that he had been losing and losing and losing like somebody doing the lottery who has a, who is addicted to scratch cards nowadays. You know, they, they get a grip on you. And this poor man, he was mad for cards, played, but he was losing and losing in pennies, in pennies, when times were tough. But a penny is a lot of money when you hadn't it. But he couldn't resist the playing. And somebody said to him, God bless you, Jack. He said, I said why, don't you, why don't you give him up? Give him up, he says. He couldn't give him up. It was as simple as that. You can't give up something you're addicted to. But it was coming up to Halloween. And he knew the custom. He knew the custom that if you go out at midnight and can find a briar that's growing in the shape of a, what would we call it for want of a better word, a tunnel. You know, briars do. Briars do. They grow from there. They grow. You could almost see them growing. Briars are a bloody nuisance the way they grow. They'll grow and then they'll grow down into the ground on the other side if they're not kept checked. And if you can find one of those, 
that has taken root again. In other words, a double-rooted briar growing up from this side and down into the ground on that side again. If you can find one of those and crawl under it on Halloween night at midnight and make a wish <laughs> in the name of the devil, you'll get that wish. That was always the old belief. But of course, <laughs> who's going to do that in the name of the devil? Dangerous business, unless you're desperate. But he was. He had lost so much now in pennies and tuppences and thruppences that it had all mounted up and he was desperate. So he decided he'd try it. And a few days before, out of searching and searching, he had found a briar like that. Very good. On, on the eve, Halloween, he went and lucky enough, it was a, a, a fine night, a moonlit night. And I suppose, you know, he, he felt like saying a prayer. But how do you say a prayer for safety when you're going doing what he was going doing? Uh, in the name of the devil. He got on his knees and he crept under the briar just at midnight. And out the other side of it. There was no thunder and lightning or anything that he might have expected. But there on the ground on the other side of it was a deck of cards. And he picked it up, got up, uh, looked through it. <laughs> and he went home with it to examine it further and did a deck of cards. And he, naturally he was disappointed. After all his trouble, the big build-up to nothing. But anyway, he put it aside. And a couple of nights later he was gone playing to particular house, because it was all house games that time, you know, people had no money for playing in pubs like they do now. But he took the deck with him in his pocket. And, as it happened, you know, is there luck, is there luck, or do things happen by coincidence? Because at that particular house on that night, didn't somebody notice that a card had fallen and picked it up? But just didn't the fella that had dropped the card and he accused of cheating and he accused of cheating and they counted the deck and wasn't there a card missing somebody else was cheating too and of course the deck was flung flung to the corner of the room and of course that time there wouldn't be decks of cards they mightn't cost much but a deck of cards well they were a scarce thing and that's the reason why you'd often see a deck of cards tattered and tattered and tattered. It had been played with for years and years and years. They weren't easy come by. And here they were now with a deck of cards and one card shot. And what were they going to do? Go home? Scatter? No. It was only then. <laughs> Sean, he put the hand in the pocket and pulled out the deck. Brand new deck. And they are looking. Oh, dear God Almighty, where do you get the dick? Beautiful dick. And uh, the man of the house put out his hand and looked at it. Uh, a, a seasoned gambler. Flicked through it, flicked through it. Oh, grand dick. Perfect dick. Yes, he said, where do you buy that? And of course, Sean, oh, I was inside in the market there. He says the other day, and I bought that. The lie. The lies had started already. Where was he picking them from? So we got anywhere. Anywhere. They, they played. Fine deck. Grandest of decks. And Sean didn't win. You know, he didn't win uh, anything else of the ordinary. But 
the games went on, and the games went on, and the games went on. But uh, towards the end of the night, Sean began to win a little bit and a little bit more. And at the end of the night, he had won a couple of shillings. No, oh, a couple of shillings. It wasn't an outrageous fortune that time, but it was nice and handy to be the price of cigarettes for the following day and the couple of days after. And he was pleased with himself, and nobody thought uh, more of it, except they were saying, God knows, you know, Sean, <laughs> nice dick, nice dick. And the next night that he was out, he brought his dick, and they played with that, rather than the old tattered bit of a thing they had. And the next night, and the next, and he won, and he won, and he won. And he was getting embarrassed. <laughs> and he tried to lose a couple of nights just to, just to not, in case the bloody thing had spread, the news that, hey, people had been putting two and two together and going up with five and said, Jesus, there's something wrong here. But they didn't seem to. Nobody seemed to think the more of it. Only that they got looked this lovely dick. And the other thing is, it didn't seem to be getting any of the more tattered or stained as the nights went on. And it would, you know, because people used to have a tea in houses. They'd be given a drop of tea and the dick would be plonked on the table. And that's how dicks got scarred and tattered and stained and all the rest of it. But anyway, time went on and time went on. And eventually uh, the games became longer for some reason and went out in the night and on and on. And wives began to complain that men weren't coming home when they should come home, because up to this fellas would be home by 11 o'clock at night. This wasn't gambling, even though they call it, we'll go on gambles. This wasn't gambling in any sense of the word that we'd understand it. And fellas were staying out until midnight. And a few wives started to complain. And more wives started to complain. And some old ladies took the news to the parish priest. And of course, you know as well as I do that parish priests in those days, they were the king of the castle and their own parish was their own fiefdom. So we got the parish priest called Sean and says, come here, I'm hearing rumours. You have a different kind of prayer book than I have. Give me a look at that. Ordered him. And Sean wouldn't. And Sean didn't. And Sean legged it out of the parish. And of course that only confirmed for everyone, everybody there that uh -uh, we're after being robbed. There's something suspicious here. Sean went to Dublin to shorten the story. Went to Dublin where he had a relation, but he had no other friends. But the next thing they heard was that oh he was staying with a relation in Dublin, but had taken up playing cards. And more severe cards than before, he had taken up playing poker. No, which none of them in this leg of the, 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 the woods had ever played. They used to all play 31, 45 or the old game. But he had taken up playing poker above in Dublin and was making a small fortune with this new dick. But Fethex, hey, the parish priest sent to the bishop, the bishop above in Dublin, and I suppose to the archbishop. There was a boy above there who was working by the power of the devil and to put the screws on him. There was a dick at <laughs> the prayer book above there. There was no ordinary missile. He had to be got rid of. Take it off him. They tried. Sean, he had the news and he legged it over to London and made a bigger fortune there by the same prayer book. 
and he was playing there and I suppose the sent the word there it followed him and followed him and he had to go to France and he went to Paris and by the love God Almighty he skinned him there with the same prayer book he was invited into the court of the king himself Louis the sixteenth so this'll that'll tell you it was before the revolution seventeen something this happened but in any case he played there he played there almost until the revolution itself he became promoted to being one of the nobility by a dint of this same prayer book but in any case in any case he got old he had every luxury and this royalty could provide with the power of the prayer book but naturally at last every man's end must come and i suppose when the end was coming he kind of got uncomfortable that maybe the lad who provided the prayer book might be coming to collect his dues so he sent for the priest and when the priest came and heard about the holy or unholy deal that was made on the halloween night all those years before under the briars he said i'm afraid he says you have a bad bargain made and i don't know can i help you and sean begged of course naturally like any man would he didn't like maybe the place he might be going to so the priest said i'll do my best but you'll have to hand me out that dick and of course sean did he had him under his pillow the cards handed him out and so the priest gave him absolution or i suppose conditional absolution the best he could do he was a kindly man he didn't like to see anybody lost to the <clears throat> the lad below so he did what he could said the prayers and i suppose that put sean a little bit at his ease anyway the prayer book <laughs> the deck was given over to the priest it was inside in a golden box which could be afforded by jean at the time and the priest opened it up and there it was and he turned up the first of the cards and surprise surprise what was on it nothing and the second one nothing and the third one nothing and all down along all the fifty-two cards nothing on the back of any one of them where you'd expect the ten of clubs the ace of spades the nine of hearts not a single thing on any one of them all of them were blank and he turned the last of the cards and there where you'd expect the joker you know what was on it the devil's face looking up laughing at the priest and the priest just blessed him and he disappeared in a cloud of smoke and the cards in a blaze like that i can't tell you where sean went but all i can say is that any man whoever tried to go under the bride on halloween night at midnight and make a bargain like that might be better off not to because the bargain you'll make isn't likely to be for your good now one of the one of the customs if you want to call it that or one of the dares because there were lots of dares uh, associated with halloween 
uh, you dare a person to go to a haunted house or you dare a person to go to the graveyard if they were brave enough or you dare a person to go to a fort all of those kind of things considering the night that it was a kind of a, a spooky night an eerie night anywhere well you might meet anything you might meet the fairies you might meet a ghost you might meet one of your dead relatives or you might meet a dead enemy somebody you had wronged anything might be walking on that night so it was a night that people were careful about but that's the reason why people used to dare people to do this or that especially a boastful person a boastful person that was always i'll do this i'll do that you know i'm a braver man than you well if you are here's your chance now to prove it the night is the night now it was always said in some parts of the country especially that a fern seed, the seed of Unrahenach, a fern, was very, very, very powerful because they don't come out that often. And if you could catch a fern seed when it fell, and it only fell, some people said, on Halloween night, at the stroke of midnight, and if you could catch it when it fell, it would give you the power of invisibility. That you'd be able to be invisible now, not for good, but for all kinds of bad things, like stealing and plundering and <clears throat> making yourself invisible for those kind of uh, means and ends. Now, of course, to get it, there was the problem, because it was reputed that as it fell, uh, if you were next or near it at that time or you, you might get it but of course <laughs> there'd be uh, uh, things of the dark that would be trying to keep you away from it now there was this fella in West Cork uh, down near Clannacilty and his name was Owen O'Sullivan well, bad crowd there Sullivan's it is infested with him I believe down there and he made up his mind because the boys used to always be at him, you know, oh, you're a brave man, you're a brave man, you'll do this, you'll do that. And he was the kind of a man, of course, that when he had a few pints taken, he'd be boasting that he would do this and would do that. And, of course, they got sick of it. You're right. You'd... No. One of the old fellows knew about the fern seed and said, right, I'll explain to you something you won't do. And he explained that if, if... You collect the fern seed on the night, 12 o'clock, and he said, to make it all better, he says, I know where you'll get one. <laughs> and of course you could know damn well by the twinkling of those fellas' eye. He was uh, an O'Leary. <laughs> and uh, there was some kind of a feud between the O'Leary's and the O'Sullivan's, something that had happened on a fair day down in Roscarbury a while before, drink involved, of course. And here was his way now of getting back at Sullivan. So he got in here, he, he told him where the fern seed was, just beside the graveyard. Not such a nice place to be, maybe on uh, Halloween night at 12 o'clock, but your man didn't give a damn. Owen, he was afraid of nothing. <laughs> yes, of course, we'll find out now. So anyway, he went, but what he didn't know was the fern seed thing was true. And uh, if he had done his research a little bit more, and maybe asked people who might have known, 
such as the local schoolmaster or maybe the priest or people like that they might have told him look leave it be that man Larry he's uh, noted uh, <coughs> and he's not for your good and they might have told him also that the only way of getting the seed without uh, without too much trouble is now the plates that time in some places they used to be made of pewter that metal that you might know the composition of it better than I do but pewter plates they're still they're still there and you'd still see them they're kind of a collector's item now but you had to have nine of them and one under the other under the other under the other and the last two of them you had to put paper in between the last two and at the stroke of midnight be waiting and as the fern seed fell, the power of it was that it would go right through all those pewter plates and the two bottom ones, it was the sheets of paper that would catch them and stop, them falling, stop it falling to the ground. And as it came to the last plate, the sheet of paper, you could grab it there. You could grab it there and wrap it up on the sheet of paper. But like I said, all of whatever was around would be there to stop you getting that. So I don't care what's around. <laughs> I don't care if the devil from hell was there. I'm going to get that because, of course, to have a fern seed and maybe get rich as a result. He says, I'll be there. And he was there outside the graveyard at 12 o'clock on Halloween night. There wasn't the sound. There the sound. And he knew where the fern plant was. He had been told by O'Leary where it was. All that you need to do now is be there. And he had his plates underneath the fern seed plant. But the plant where the fern seed was going to fall, and he hoped it would. But he had examined it beforehand, and it was genuine article, or looked like it. And at the stroke of midnight, it fell. And down through the first plate, an amazing thing to see. It was a bright night. Oh, he had no lights or nothing. It was a moonlit night. Second plate third plate, fourth plate, dolly Lord God, a blacksmith inside a welding shop today. You, you wouldn't see a thing like that. Fourth plate, fifth plate, sixth, seventh, eighth. Now, his hand was shaking now, in fairness. Brave man that he was, by the Lord, <laughs> a braver man than him. He's, it's a wonder he didn't drop him. But he was so fascinated that he didn't drop him. He was watching, watching and wondering, of course. Now, Christ would have got through his hand as well. But fair juiced him. And O'Sullivan, he held it, he held it. He was thinking of the wealth, I suppose, as well, because they're fierce mind for money, the O'Sullivans. Ah, he held it somehow, somehow, even though his fingers were warping now, wondering would it got through hand and all. But they stop. They stop at the paper over the last plate. And what did he do? Only whipped it out, wrapped it up on the paper, and he was just about to leg it when... What in the name of God Almighty did he notice? Inside the graveyard wall, there he saw the line of people staring, staring at him in the moonlight. Dead people, of course. And how did he know there were dead people? There wasn't a sound out of them, only staring at him. And he knew that there must be the inhabitants of the graveyard because they had every kind of different clothing of the different centuries. Some of them 
with knee breeches, some of them, with more modern clothes, some of them, with no clothes at all, I suppose, the more misfortunes that had been buried during the famine and only thrown into an old mass grave inside. There they were now, staring out at him, and a look on their face as if to say, Ah, 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 you misfortunate man. They said nothing, but there was one tall man there among them, taller than the rest, and two dark eyes in him. They might have been eye sockets for all he could see. And now he should have run and would have run, but he couldn't, he couldn't. And then they turned their backs and in, into where ever they had come, I suppose, into their own graves, or God only knows what, but says then he ran. He went home, and I guarantee you his hands were shaking all right. But as soon as he got in, I suppose, to the light of of home, lit the lamp, whatever, and he still had the, 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 the thing in his hand, the little ball of paper, and he opened it up, and there was the pharmacy right enough, and I suppose he got his courage from what he had seen outside in a different world. But anyway, he put it away, and he went to bed. I don't know whether he dreamt or not, but he slipped. And the following day, he set it right out. And there was a man in the village that he felt that had robbed him before that, at a fair, wronged him at a fair, down in Roscarbury. And he went into the man's house to confront him. The man didn't seem to see him at all man was a publican, and he went, and he reached in across the counter, into the till, took out the price of, he didn't wrong the man, he just took out the price of what he thought the man owed him, and walked out. <laughs> Never seen. My God Almighty, he says, <coughs> and there's more to this than meets the eye. Well, that started him off, I'll shorten the story. It started him off, honest, there. He started him off on a mighty career of thievery and robbery. Uh, again, as I say, on the robber he became known as Onogadi, and uh, he got rich out of it. He got rich, but one day he was below in Castletown Bear, uh, doing a little job, <laughs> doing a little job, and uh, he had just come out of a place where he had lifted another number of. I don't know, was it banknotes now, or, or sovereigns, but it don't matter, it was money. And he had brought it, seen by nobody. But he was walking up the street, and tall man accosted him. And who was the tall man? Except the man that he had seen, or that had seen him, inside the graveyard wall that night. And... The man, he said to him, hold on a minute, he said. Owen, he said, you've come a long way, he said, from the time that I met you last. And Owen looked and he said, uh, I got, he says, uh, I, I, I think I know you, or do I know you, or should I know you? Oh, I think you should, he says, I think you should. We met before. Where? Where? Well, 
he said there was a knife there was a knife when I was very close to you he says very very close to you indeed and I think he says you have property that maybe you shouldn't have or I, I no no because one thought he was talking about the uh, money but the man says uh, you have you have property that you shouldn't have and I think you should replace it put it back where you got it I can't do that at all because, because no there's no because said the man I'd put it back if I was you and I'd put it back no one he put out his hand I'll give it back for you he says and he just stared at him stared at him I'll give it back for you give it to me now and we'll say no more about it you can keep what you have, but give me that. And no one only backed away. But the man followed him, and he cornered him against a wall. And he says, I'll give you one last chance, he says, for the sake now of the people that belong with me, he says, you did a very shameful thing, he says, in the view of all the people that were there with me that night. Give it to me, he says. Put us the rest again, or if you don't. And he didn't finish. And no one tried to get out beside him, but if he did, your man, <coughs> like that, straight into his eyes, blinded him there and then. And your man only, he knew where to put his hands for whatever he wanted to, of course, the seed, he took it. And from that day on, Owen kept his wealth, whatever he had, but he didn't keep his sight. He saw no more, and now all your men went, I presume, back and took whatever was belong, maybe to them, because after all, it was near the graveyard. So, once again, once again, make a bargain like that on Halloween night. You might get rich in the short term, but you will not prosper in the long term. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.